evangelist and pastor, W.G. Heslop, penned a commentary on Ruth. In that exposition titled Rubies from Ruth, he writes this, The book of Ruth consists of less than 100 verses, and yet it would be impossible to exhaust it during the lifetime of a minister preaching from it every Sunday. It is a garden enclosed, a mine filled with the rarest and richest gems and rubies, a treasure of illuminating truths. I wholeheartedly agree with Dr. Heslop regarding the depth of Ruth. In the book of Ruth, there are scenes that are tragic, some that are domestic, and others that are romantic. There are scenes that are dramatic, historical, and prophetic. And each of these scenes is a mine filled with precious gems. That is one reason that I have selected the book of Ruth for our next study. I hope you'll be blessed in the coming weeks as we make our way through this marvelous Old Testament book. Now, Ruth is, in fact, one of two books in the Bible that is named after a woman. There is Esther, a Jew that married a Gentile husband, and there is Ruth, a Gentile that married a Hebrew husband. A fitting title for the book of Ruth would be The Love Story of Redemption. And, in fact, the late Martin DeHaan titled his commentary on Ruth, The Romance of Redemption. Now, writers will tell you that a good story, including a romance story, must have several things. It must have a beginning, a middle, and an ending. And it must have highs and lows that create drama and empathy. Well, the Lord is the greatest author of all time, and in the book of Ruth, he has written a masterpiece of romance and redemption. The book of Ruth is a beautiful picture of Christ's great love for us and the redemption he purchased for us. The key word and the key thought in the book of Ruth is that of a kinsman. We see that word and thought first used in Ruth chapter 2 verse 20. And Naomi said unto her daughter-in-law, Blessed be he of the Lord who hath not left off his kindness to the living and to the dead. And Naomi said unto her, The man is near of kin unto us, one of our next kinsmen. There's that word and idea, kinsman. As we go through the book, we will see this love story of redemption unfold and we will be reminded that Jesus is our kinsman redeemer. Let me begin our study by reading the first seven verses of the first chapter of Ruth. Now it came to pass in the days when the judges ruled that there was a famine in the land. And a certain man of Bethlehem, Judah, went to sojourn in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. And the name of the man was Elimelech, and the name of his wife, Naomi, and the name of his two sons, Malan and Kilian, Ephrathites of Bethlehem, Judah. And they came into the country of Moab and continued there. And Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left and her two sons. And they took them wives of the women of Moab. The name of one was Orpah, and the name of the other Ruth, and they dwelled there about ten years." And Malan and Kilian died also, both of them, and the woman was left of her two sons and her husband. Then she rose with her daughters-in-law that she might return from the country of Moab. For she had heard in the country of Moab how that the Lord had visited his people in giving them bread. Wherefore she went forth out of the place where she was, and her two daughters-in-law with her, and they went on the way to return unto the land of Judah." 
To summarize these first seven verses of Ruth that I just read, Elimelech and his wife Naomi have two sons. They leave their hometown and the nation of Israel and move to Moab because of a famine. While in Moab, Elimelech dies and his two sons marry women of Moab. Eventually, the two sons die, leaving Naomi and her two daughter-in-laws. So the opening scene of the book is very tragic, for we find three graves in Moab. Let's notice the story behind these three graves in Moab. First, let's notice the departure from the Lord. We read in the opening of verse 1 of Ruth, Now it came to pass in the days when the judges ruled. Notice that word now that begins the book of Ruth. It connects us to the former book of Judges. In view of that connection between Judges and Ruth, listen to how the book of Judges closes. The very last verse in Judges, Judges chapter 21 verse 25, says this, In those days there was no king in Israel. Every man did that which was right in his own eyes. In the time when the story of Ruth unfolds, there was an absence of a ruler over the land of Israel. And there was a general lack of righteousness in the land and among the people. That righteousness was absent in the land is the implication of that phrase, every man did that which was right in his own eyes. Folks, when the king of kings is not ruling over a people or in people's hearts, there will be no righteousness. When one has made Jesus Lord and King of their life, they will no longer do what is right in their own eyes. Rather, they will do that which is right in God's eyes. Many a believer is doing their own thing instead of doing God's thing. They sit upon the throne of their heart instead of Christ ruling and reigning over their life. And what is the result of this lack of righteousness? We are told in verse 1 of Ruth that the result of this tragic condition was a famine in the land. It is likely that this famine referred to here in Ruth is the one recorded in the first six verses of Judges chapter 6. Famine in Israel was always a result of their disobedience to God. It was a part of the covenant that God had made with Israel. When Israel was obedient, the Lord promised to bless them with bountiful harvest and with prosperity. But when Israel was disobedient, He warned them that He would bring famine and oppression upon them. God said in Deuteronomy chapter 11, verse 17, And then the Lord's wrath be kindled against you, and He shut up heaven, that there be no rain, and that the land yield not her fruit, and lest ye perish quickly from off the good land which the Lord giveth you. Thus the famine spoken of here in Ruth revealed that there had been a national departure from God. Israel as a nation was suffering the consequences of doing what was right in their own eyes. The famine in the land revealed the folly of their life and their disobedience to the Lord. In the opening verses of Ruth, we not only see a national departure from the Lord, but also we see a personal departure from the Lord. We see a husband and a wife by the name of Elimelech and Naomi and their two sons, Malan and Kilian. As the account of Ruth opens, we learn of their tragic departure from God. The husband in the opening of this account is Elimelech and his name means, My God is King. Elimelech reminds us of a Christian that has served God and lived for God because God is King in their life. He is called an Ephrathite in verse 2 of Ruth. Ephrathite means fruitful. 
So this Jewish husband and father symbolizes and reminds us of one who had lived a godly and fruitful life. We also sadly see that he illustrates the Christian that is out of the will of God, living away from God and in disobedience to God. Now the name Naomi means pleasant. She reminds us of the contentment and happiness one finds as they live for God and as they serve Him. But she, like her husband, reminds us of how that joy and happiness is lost when one is out of fellowship with God. As we look at this departure from the Lord, we see first where they were living. We are told in Ruth chapter 1 and verse 1 that the place they left was Bethlehem, Judah. Their home was the town of Bethlehem in the region of Judah. Of course, Bethlehem is familiar to us as the birthplace of Jesus. The name Bethlehem means house of bread, and Judah means praise. So think about the symbolic implications. Elimelech and his family were leaving the house of bread and the land of praise. It reminds us of a believer leaving the will of God and getting out of the house of God. There is not a greater place to abide than in the will of God, and there is no greater place to be and attend than the house of God. To abide in the will of God fills the heart with heavenly praise. To attend the house of God fills the soul with heavenly bread. The will of God is a place of spiritual rejoicing, and the house of God is a place of spiritual resources. Let me repeat that in case you missed it. The will of God is a place of spiritual rejoicing, and the house of God is a place of spiritual resources. This was the place we see Elimelech and his family leaving. They first left the city limits of Bethlehem, and then they left the borders of Judah. They first got out of the house of God, and then they got out of the will of God. So we see where they were leaving, but we also see where they were living. We are told in verse 1 that this Israelite family went to sojourn in the country of Moab. In Psalm 108, verse 9, we find an interesting description of Moab. There we read that Moab is my wash pot. The late J. Vernon McGee says that one way to paraphrase what God was saying about Moab would be, Moab is my garbage can. They were leaving the house of bread for the garbage can. They were leaving the land of praise for the wash pot. Moab was a place that God frowned upon. Its people were an outcast people. In the Bible, Moab symbolizes and is a type of the old man and the fleshly desires of the old nature in life. Thus, Elimelech's actions and journey illustrates a Christian leaving God and going back to the old life. It symbolizes a Christian going back to being carnal and living according to the flesh and after its desires and lusts. Now, Moab was only a short distance from Bethlehem, yet the river Jordan stood between the two places. We often think of Jordan as a type of death. There are a lot of hymns about crossing Jordan when we die. But actually, Jordan is a type of the death, burial, and resurrection of the believer into the power of a new life. In other words, crossing the Jordan symbolizes leaving the old nature behind and entering into the new spiritual life provided by the new birth. The Bethlehem side of Jordan represents the spiritual man. The Moab side of Jordan represents the natural man. Elimelech and Naomi remind us of believers where at one time God was king in their life. 
They were in the will of God and the house of God, living a fruitful spiritual life. Yet now they are living in the world, seeking the things of the world and the flesh. We are told in verse 1 that Elimelech and Naomi went to sojourn in Moab. The Hebrew word translated sojourn means they intended to visit for a very brief period. Yet we read in verse 2 that they came into the country of Moab and continued there. Their original plans were to be in Moab for a short time, but they ended up making their home there. There are many out of God's house and out of God's will that never planned on being where they are now. In fact, they never dreamed that one day they would be out of God's house and out of God's will. They began missing on a Wednesday night. After all, they were so tired and it was so hard to get ready and get to church on time. It was not long before they began to miss a Sunday night here and there. Things came up, you know, but there were no plans on getting out of church and getting away from God. Then they began to miss on Sunday morning. They allowed this and that to keep them out of church. And in time, they found themselves completely out of church. Oftentimes, church attendance is the first sign and the first step toward disobedience. It is the first act of turning from spiritual things to satisfying the carnal nature. And on the face of it, to fail to attend church is to be out of God's will. Hebrews 10.25 says, Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Eventually, this behavior brings a person to where they are doing things, going places, and living a lifestyle they never thought they would ever live again. They find themselves away from God. We see that not only did they settle down in Moab, but their children took to themselves wives than the Moabites. We are told in Ruth chapter 1 and verse 4, And they took them wives of the women of Moab. The name of the one was Orpah, and the name of the other was Ruth. And they dwelled there about ten years. Marriage among the pagan nations was strictly forbidden by God. The parents' departure only led to a further departure in their children. Many a child is living in sin and has no room for God in their life because of parents that drifted from God. The story of Elimelech and his family can be told and repeated by many. We see a departure from the Lord. As we continue looking in this story, we also see the results of leaving God. Notice second, the discipline of the Lord. Just as an earthly father will discipline a disobedient child, God will discipline his disobedient and his straying children. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 6 says, For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. The writer of Hebrews describes both a process and a procedure of God's discipline. First, he tells us that God chastens his children. The word chasteneth speaks of child training. It's like a parent teaching a child what is right and wrong. Then we read that God scourges his children. The word scourges speaks of punishment and is descriptive of giving a child a whipping. When our children are small, at times they would do things and we would say, that's a no-no, don't touch that again, don't you do that again. Sometimes we might even smack their little hands. We were chastening or training the child concerning what he or she should not do. But if after several times of saying, no, no, if they keep on, things become a little more intense, if you know what I mean. 
At times, God says, that's a no-no, that's wrong. At times, He may smack our hands. But if we continue on in our sin, God takes more drastic measures. He may have to take us to the woodshed. You could say that He has to use the paddle on us. When we look at Elimelech and his family, we see this process and procedure of discipline. Notice with me the first acts of discipline. In verse 2, we find the names of Elimelech and Naomi's two sons. One of the sons is Malan, and his name means sickly, ill, unhealthy. The other son is Killian, and his name means pining, wasting away, puny. It would appear that Elimelech and Naomi had begun to drift from God in their hearts before they ever left Bethlehem, Judah. A departure from God always begins on the inside long before it is seen on the outside. The names of their children would seem to suggest that God had already begun a work of discipline to get their attention. These boys seem to be the first acts of God's discipline in their life. It was as if God was saying to them, Your heart is getting cold toward me. You are drifting away from me. The condition of both their children would seem to suggest that God was trying to get their attention. Now let me say at this point that not all sickness is a result of some disobedience or chastening of the Lord. Jesus' disciples were guilty of just such erroneous thinking. Listen to their conversation with Jesus in John chapter 9, verses 2 and 3. And his disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, Neither hath this man sinned, nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. Having said that, there are occasions when, in order to get our attention, God brings difficult circumstances into our life, and that can include some measure of sickness. And notice beyond the first acts and signs of discipline, the fatal acts of discipline. First, God chastens us, and if that does not get our attention, then He scourges us. The first warnings were ignored, and finally God's discipline was drastic and fatal. We read in verse 3, And Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died. And then we read in verse 5, And Malan and Killian died also, both of them. Paul, writing to the church at Corinth, said in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 30, For this cause many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. Paul was saying that because of certain sins, many at Corinth had been disciplined by God. Some were weak, and others were sick. And some were even sleeping, which is a New Testament word for dead. Paul was saying some at Corinth had died as a result of God's discipline, for their disobedience and sin. There are times when God has to deal with His children in firm ways. He even declares that at times He has to deal in fatal ways. Whenever a Christian gets out of the house of God and out of the will of God, God will discipline them. He will deal with them patiently and lovingly. But in time, if there is no repentance and a return to God, He will deal with them in a more drastic way, in more drastic measures. A departure from the Lord will always bring the discipline of the Lord. God has His ways of bringing His children back home. And then thirdly, think with me of the desire for the Lord. So, there was left in Moab three lonely and grieving widows. No doubt, as Naomi walked to the cemetery, she asked herself, 
Why did we ever leave Bethlehem, Judah? Why did we ever get out of God's house and out of His will? She no doubt recalled the days when God was king and the days of happiness they had enjoyed. Life had been so pleasant. Notice what verse 6 says. Then she arose with her daughters-in-law that she might return from the country of Moab. For she had heard in the country of Moab how that the Lord had visited His people in giving them bread. Naomi heard of how God was blessing His people again. The famine was over at last. The people of Israel turned from their disobedience and had come back to God. It was this news, coupled with all that had happened, that created in Naomi's heart a desire to return to God. In her desire, we see her repentance. It is interesting how her actions are described. It was not just that she returned to Bethlehem, Judah, but we read in verse 6 that she returned from the country of Moab. She was turning her back on Moab. She was leaving Moab. This is the essence of repentance. When a person gets right with God, there must be repentance. Jesus told the Laodicean church in Revelation 3.19, As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. Repentance is the proper action when we have sinned. The sin and failures of life must be dealt with. Moab must be left and put behind us. Sin must be confessed and forsaken. Those are the two halves of the act of repentance. Before you can return to the Lord, you must repent. Before Naomi could ever return home, she had to leave Moab. In her desire, we also see her return. We are told in verse 7, Wherefore, she went forth out of the place where she was, and her two daughters-in-law with her. And they went on the way to return unto the land of Judah. Naomi determined that she would return to the place of blessing. She would get back into the will of God. She leaves Moab and returns to Judah. She is leaving the place of sin for the place of blessing. I think of William Kirkpatrick's familiar hymn, I've wandered far away from God, now I'm coming home. The paths of sin too long I've trod, Lord, I'm coming home. It could be that some who are hearing these words need to come home. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 11.31, If we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. Now remember that in the verse right before this one, Paul described how the Lord was chastening individuals at Corinth. Some were sick, some were weak, and others had passed away because of their disobedience. So Paul tells them, and he tells us, that if we examine our walk, if we judge ourselves as to its obedience, then the Lord will not need to chasten and scourge us. Examine your life. And examine your spiritual walk. Make sure that you're in God's will and living in obedience to Him. There did not have to be a story of three graves in Moab. And there does not have to be a needless story of the Lord's chastening in your life. God wants you to come home. And you can come home. Do so today. Do so without delay. The Bible says in 1 John 1, nine, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Christian, are you in God's will? Are you living according to His Word? 
The first lesson to be learned from the account of Ruth is that there are definite consequences to being out of God's will and living in disobedience. Sooner or later, the Lord will discipline you if you are His child. Repent now by turning your back on your sin and on your disobedience and ask the Lord to forgive you. If you are sincere, the Lord will gladly forgive you and you will thereby avoid the discipline that is inevitable. Take heed from the life of Naomi and Elimelech. Learn the lesson that their story conveys. For God is patient and He is merciful, but He will discipline His child. I hope you've been blessed by our weekly time together in God's Word. And my earnest desire and prayer is that you have been encouraged in your spiritual walk. If our time together each week is a blessing, then we would appreciate your letting us know. If these weekly studies are helpful to you, then please let us know that you want us to continue this ministry. We do this to be a spiritual blessing and an encouragement, and we would like your feedback so that we can improve the program. And we need to know that you want us to continue this weekly broadcast. To do that, you can send an email to office at dscaz.com. Office at dscaz.com. Or you can drop us a little note by mailing it to P.O. Box 8516, Surprise, Arizona, 85374. Or you can visit our website, www.dscaz.com, where there is a contact form for your use. Just tell us what you think and that you want us to continue with this program. Your comments and feedback would be a blessing to us and will encourage us to continue this ministry.